Welcome to the Cherry Hill Sermon Podcast. The following message is part of a sermon series called The Blessing. Together we're learning the importance of giving the gift of unconditional love and acceptance. Thanks for joining us today. Well, I don't know where you were in December of 1974. Some of you will say I wasn't here. But that month, a guy named Harry Chapin had his song go to the top number one song in the country. It was called Cats in the Cradle. And I've often thought to myself, why did it stay on the charts so long? I think it's because it struck a nerve. And I want to spare you the melody. I'll, I'll just read the lyrics. Some of you know them. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking for I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad, I don't know when. But we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he walked away, but his smile never dimmed. And he said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be like him. The cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad? I don't know when. But we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. Well, he came from college just the other day, so much like a man, I just had to say, son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile, what I'd really like, dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, son, I don't know when, but we'll get together then, dad. You know we'll have a good time then. I've long since retired and my son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. You see, my new, do- new job's a hassle and the kids got the flu. But it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me. He'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. I want to talk to you today about what it means to have an active commitment to the people around you, the people in your life. And as we think about that, if you haven't been with us, we're in this series called The Blessing. And we've been talking about what does it mean to know the blessing and to give the blessing. And if you're following along in the notes, I hope that each week as we've talked about this, that this big idea would come in as well as some of the smaller ideas, and that's this, that if you don't know what the blessing is, in the ultimate sense, the blessing is Jesus and the life God richly offers us in him. The blessing is Jesus and the life God richly offers us in him. And the reason why this is such good news is because even if you never have received the blessing from a parent or from someone important to you, God offers you the ultimate blessing in his son, Jesus. We've talked about John 1:16 that says, from his grace, 
the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. He offers that so richly to every person, but his grace is always meant to lead us to trust in Christ. And so as we think about what that would look like, I want to talk to you about what it looks like on an earthly level. How can we practice that, not only with people, but also with God? And um, if, you're, uh, if you haven't seen our series sentence, here's uh, what we've been reading each week. And I'll just ask you, <clears throat> would you be willing uh, to read it with me? In Christ, God wants each of us to know the blessing so we can give the blessing. And that word know is not just know in our heads, but to know by experience, to know personally what it means to know his blessing work in his life, his favor, his kindness, his goodness. And the vision there is, is not just so that it's all about me, but that as he blesses me, his whole goal was not only to bless me, but to help me join him in giving the blessing to someone else. And uh, so on the back of the notes there, um, you'll see that we've been talking about the five elements of the blessing that can sometimes be seen in the scriptures. Uh, Gary Smalley and John Trent wrote a book called The Blessing. Some of you have told me you've purchased that and been reading that as well. But in that book, they point out that where the word bless or blessed or blessing is used over 300 times in the Bible, uh, when you see the blessing on a human level being given by the patriarchs, you can see that there's different elements that are sometimes found there. And here's one. The first is meaningful touch, spoken words. In other words, a blessing's not a blessing till it's spoken or written in some way. It's expressing high value, making sure that person knows they're valued. And next, it's picturing a special future. It's, it's seeing more for them than maybe they can see right now. And then the last thing we're going to talk about today is an active commitment. Next week, we're going to finish the series by talking about what it would look like for us as a church, together as a church family, to be a blessing in our community and how we can practice that all week long. But for now, let me just say before you turn your notes over at the bottom there, I've put a personal evaluation. This is for anyone that says, I kind of want to know, how am I doing? And what would it look like for me to get better at this? If you really want extra credit, maybe hand it to someone you trust and say, how am I doing? And let them circle the different numbers so you can see maybe how you're doing in this area. But again, our whole idea here is to learn how to practice learning that God made me not just to know a blessing, but to be a blessing and to give a blessing to other people. So if you turn your notes over to the other side, here's what I want you to see about an active commitment. That the blessing is, is words and actions that convey affirmation. Maybe you already had those words filled in. We've talked about it almost every week. And what I want you to see this week is that if all we do is give words and it doesn't come with actions, then we really haven't fully understand what the blessing is. That was what the problem was in Cats in the Cradle. If all we do is say the right words, but it doesn't have action to it, then that's part of the issue that God wants to grow us in and help us understand that even he himself was a God of active commitment towards us and that relationships are made to work that way. So let me just pray before we look at this. Now, some of you know that on almost any given Sunday, I would ask you to open your Bibles. And the reason that I haven't during this series is not because I don't want you to still bring your Bibles. You're going to need them next week. But because this is a topical message that covers a lot of different scriptures. So let's just pray that God will speak to us through his word and through his spirit right now, okay? Heavenly Father, help us 
understand in the deepest parts of our lives what it means to know you and know your blessing and then to picture that vision you have for us of being a pipeline of blessing to other people. I pray that you would do this for your glory and for your purposes here on the earth. And I pray that as a result of answering that prayer, that other people's lives would be touched, even people far from you. In your name we ask, amen. All right, so let's unpack what an active commitment means. Out to the right there, there's some empty space. In my notes, I just wrote this definition. An active commitment means to give yourself. An active commitment means to give yourself. I don't know what you were taught, but my parents, one of the greatest things that they helped me understand is that if you want to go through life, you have a decision to make every day. Are you going to give yourself to life or are you going to just do the bare minimum? Are you just going to coast? Are you just going to do autopilot through life? Because every day there'll be an opportunity to give yourself to whatever task or whatever relationship there is in your life. And the degree to you, the fact that you give yourself to the degree that you give yourself, the more you'll not only appreciate life, but the more you'll actually put into life. And so when we think about giving ourselves, this is the difference between just words. It's also actions. And so if you're following along, our words are empty unless backed by action. Our words are empty unless backed by action. A couple places in the New Testament, it says, if you say, may God bless you, stay warm and everything, but you don't actually do anything for that person, those words are empty. Proverbs 25, 14, I've listed out to the right. Look at this proverb here. A person who promises a gift but doesn't give it is like clouds and wind that bring no rain. If you're looking for rain and you see the clouds gather and then it never rains, that's disappointing. And in a similar way, this is what happens if we say all the right words of blessing, but we never back it up with giving ourselves to that person in some way. Because that kind of consistency, that kind of commitment is really one of the differentiators, one of the difference makers. And so what does that look like for us? In our church family, we've been showing you video vignettes. I think if you're like me, I really appreciated getting a snapshot and a peek into other people's lives in our church family and how the blessing collides and connects with their life. And so some of these people have been willing to open their lives to us and be real. And uh, uh, we have uh, one of the high values of our church is trying to be real and uh, also do things as a church family and community. So watch as Andrew Kasterison shares what he's been learning about an active commitment. Hey, everyone. Good morning. So there was an 18 year old girl who got pregnant and she knew she was nowhere near ready to have a child on her own. So she chose adoption. She made an active commitment to keep herself as healthy as possible so that this kid could have the best chance. And the months went by, she gave birth, and three days after the delivery, she handed the child over to the adoptive parents. So a spoiler, I'm that kid, I was adopted, and my parents gave that day a name, a family holiday we call Glad I Got Ya Day. My childhood was very similar to that of my siblings, Really, it was part of my identity being adopted, just like my eyes were blue and how to spell my last name. And I really credit my parents and my siblings for creating that environment where I never truly forgot that I was adopted, but I wasn't reminded of it all the time either. My parents made an active commitment to me and my siblings, and they showed it with 
the early years of changing diapers to driving us to school to the family devotions and prayer time, they showed us how to walk with the Lord and know him a little better every single day. And they were fully committed to accepting us for who we were and are and leading us by example and loving us no matter what. And now my wife and I have a daughter and they're still doing that for her. Every year I get a phone call three days after my birthday. It's my parents wishing me happy, glad I got you day. And man, I'm glad I got them too. It's powerful. And when we think about it, how it looks, how do you practice an active commitment? If you're following along, it means to give our time, effort, energy, and resources to someone. It means to give our time, effort, energy, and resources. Someone has said, how do you spell love? You spell it T-I-M-E. And sometimes that's one of the challenges for us is that time seems to be so precious to many of us. It's just like that dad and the cats in the cradle. We just never get around to some of the things because we're spending time other ways or ways we think are more important. And so when you think about that, uh, it, it, it boils down to that's how you can give an active commitment, even in the smallest interchanges of life. I once heard a fellow pastor talking about when his daughter was a, a teenage girl, she came into his office one week when he was working on a message and he was buried and everything. And she came in and she said, Dad, can I talk to you about something? And he goes, uh, I, I really want to really hear you, but why don't you go ahead and tell me and I'll just listen real fast. And she said, that's okay, Dad. Um, I'll just come back when you can listen slow. See, the truth is, is that time is often what it requires, and that feels so expensive to us that we sometimes neglect to give it. But when we give time, effort, energy, and resources, what it communicates as far as love, what it communicates relationally to people is huge. It's big. And this is a currency that God wants us to work in with people. Um, if you... Think about this, though. What I want you to see today is uh, the power of what a difference this can make when somebody practices this. First, uh, let me just say that in reading the book, The Blessing, I love this story that Gary Smalley tells from his own experience. I, I relate to it because I was never very good in math. And Trish and I have often laughed that our middle son is getting his PhD in math because we're quite sure it skipped a generation. But Gary Smalley tells this story about math when he was in high school. He said, mathematics was always the subject I dreaded the most. In grade school, it was my poorest subject, and that continued to be true during my first two years of high school. In fact, when I had to repeat geometry my senior year, I was sure that after only a month that I was going to flunk the course. My only solace was the fact that more than half the class was flunking with me. Our teacher would constantly remind us of this fact by arranging our chairs according to our current grade. Those of us who were failing lined the back wall. One, one Monday morning, when we dragged ourselves into the classroom, all that changed. Sitting behind the teacher's desk was a substitute teacher. Good news in itself. 
Then when we found out that the regular teacher had been reassigned to a different district, we felt like the people in Paris during World War II who had just been liberated. <laughs> but the fact remained that half of us were still failing the course. And I was still discouraged because I believed I was below average when it came to mathematics. Then the new teacher said something that literally changed my life. In fact, it motivated me so much that I ended up minoring in mathematics in college. While I didn't realize it at the time, he actually blessed me and the other students in the class. He did this by providing us with a clear picture of an active commitment. Standing before the class that morning, our new teacher told us, if anyone fails this class, then I have failed. He made a commitment that morning to do whatever it took to see that we all passed the course. He pledged himself to see that we learned and enjoyed the subject to the best of our abilities. Whether that meant his staying after school to tutor us or even coming in for a special session on the weekend, he dedicated himself to see that each of us made it through the course. Nearly every Saturday morning, he would help several of us with our homework, then play a little volleyball with us for fun. Imagine the turnaround that took place in that class, where once we had dreaded geometry, now it became something we looked forward to. Even better was what happened the last day of school when our teacher posted our grades. We all passed, and I received the first A in math. You, shouldn't have, you should have seen it. We were all jumping around and hugging each other, all because one man committed himself to a struggling bunch of students. And here's the truth. You and I can learn how to do this. We can commit ourselves in relationships to people, especially those closest to us and others, in a way where we give ourselves, where it helps them, where it lifts them up. And so before we talk about that, though, can I just tell you where the inspiration comes to do this? It comes from God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit model this. If you're following along, I put God the Father and Jesus, but I left the Holy Spirit out, and that was a mistake. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit model this. Let me just give you several examples. Out to the right, you'll see Genesis 28, 15. It's there in that first gray box, so we can all read it together out loud from God's Word. Would you join me? I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will not leave until I have done what I have promised you. God says, look, I am going to stick with you. So did he? Well, look at what uh, Jacob, who later was renamed by God Israel, says in chapter 48, verse 21. It's here on the screen if you look at it with me. We have it there. There it is. Then he blessed Joseph with this blessing. May God, the God of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, the God who has shepherded me, how much of his life, friends? All my life. Wonderfully blessed these boys. He's talking about his grandsons. And he's saying, look, one of the ways I can bless you is because God blessed me with an active commitment. And you can bank on his active commitment. The other person I list out to the right is Joshua. Joshua had a tough job of taking over after Moses died. And God is encouraging him and saying to him, I know this is scary, but he lists a verse in Joshua 1.9. Some of you have actually told me that this verse has helped you at really tough times to take to heart. Some of you have told me you've even memorized it. Some of you have put it on your mirror or in your car, carried it with you. Let's uh, read it together, Joshua 1.9. 
Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, Joshua, he said this to him at the beginning of his ministry of leading the people of Israel into the promised land. Late in his life, just before he dies, Joshua 23, verse 14. Let's see what happens. Here's what he said to the people. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises that the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Can I tell you part of what active commitment is? It's keeping your word. And God is a God of his word. He never overpromises what he won't come through on. He's never failed one, not one of his promises ever. And this is a powerful thing to have a God who is actively committed to a relationship with us. And then out to the right, I list uh, again uh, a verse there, Matthew 26, 28, which we're going to take communion next week. And I don't know what you think of when you take communion, but here's something to think about next week when you do. Every time you hold the bread, every time you hold the cup, instead of just reminding you of your sins, let it remind you of the faithfulness of Jesus. Let it remind you of his active commitment because here's what he says. As often as you drink this cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. You know what a covenant is? A covenant is not only a verbal promise, it is an active commitment to follow through on that promise. Why does Jesus want us to take communion so often? Because we all forget that he has promised to actively commit himself to us and he invites us to actively commit ourselves to him in relationship. So it might be rich. But here's one more in that second gray box. Jesus, before he left planet Earth to uh, go to the right hand of, of God the Father there and ascend into heaven, here's what he said to his disciples. He gave them an assignment, but look at how he does it. Let's read it together. Go out and train everyone in this way of life. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. So I could talk a lot more about this because there's all kinds of examples of how God has been actively committed to us. But knowing that that is one of the reasons he calls us to now practice this and pass it on. Notice, I want you to see something here in the next line. Relationships, if no one's ever told you this before, I bet you already know this. Relationships take work, they take work, they take work. Anybody want to amen that? Amen. Friends, there is a myth floating around that if a relationship's really good, you won't have to give yourself. I once sat with a man who was my parents' age. Now I was his pastor. He was one of the more brilliant people I'd ever met been very successful in life, but he was divorcing his wife after 30 years. And so we were talking about that. And he just looked at me and said, Jeff, we're not compatible anymore. He says, if I have to work at this, then it can't be love. And I remember thinking to myself, something's wrong with that definition of love. Love pays the price. Love is a decision it's not a feeling. The feeling's a byproduct. 
Love is a choice. It's a decision. It's a commitment. It's an active commitment to follow through and love a person. Now, let me say one more thing. A lot of us are into love if the other person loves us first or loves us at the same time. But an active commitment, a mature love, a mature blessing says, I'm going to bless you whether you bless me back or not. It is a choice. It is an action. It is work because it's not natural for us to give ourselves unless there's something in it for us. But Jesus modeled that kind of love and he calls us to become bigger people too. And so just knowing that is a good reminder for all of us because it shouldn't be a surprise that there will be times where we will not feel like blessing someone with an act of commitment. In those moments, let us remind ourselves that an act of commitment is a decision. And notice this, that an act of commitment, first and foremost, means to commit them often to God. To commit them often to God. As you look at the way that the patriarchs would pray blessings or give blessings, I want you to notice in Genesis 48, 15, and 16, how God does this, uh, how, how he does this. Um, and I think we may have already uh, read this here, but I want to read it again. It says this, Then he blessed Joseph with this blessing. May God. Notice this. He says to his son and to his grandkids, may God bless you. Now, why is this important? First of all, friends, the reason why it's important is because no one can bless our loved ones better than God. The second reason it's important is because you and I can't bless anyone unless God gives us breath in our lungs. Everything we have is on loan. Everything comes from him. There's nothing that we've created apart from him. Therefore, if we want to bless someone, we have to be able to pass it on what he first gave us. But also, when our kids, when our loved ones, when our friends hear us, call on God to bless them. It reminds them that he cares. He's concerned. He wants to be involved personally in their lives. And it's a powerful, powerful thing. I was thinking about this. Uh, There is a story of uh, some kids named Lindsay and Kelly who were still in grade school when their father died of a massive heart attack at the age of 41. These children no longer had his arms to comfort them or his encouraging words to bless them. But they did have a certain knowledge that their dad was with the Lord and that Jesus would confirm their blessing. Why such certainty? Because a wise father and mother had reassured them of this fact over and over. Listen to the words of his widow, Lisa, who also drew comfort from her husband. Before Ray died, she said, he used to gather us all together right before dinner. We would all get in a little circle holding each other's hands. And then he would pray and thank the Lord for our day and for the food. And he would end each prayer by squeezing our hands and saying, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are Lindsay's and Kelly's and Lisa's and my shepherd. Thank you that you will never leave us or forsake us. Amen. It's been rough this past year, she writes, without Ray. But it has helped so much to be able to remind the children that Jesus is still their shepherd as well as their father's shepherd. Friends, this is a powerful thing we can do. Some of you know that I shared last week that when I saw my parents' door closed and knew that they were praying each morning that God would help me and help my sister and help my brother, that was so, so encouraging. And what an active commitment that they made to do that. 
But along with that, let me just say too that the Apostle Paul, the last thing he did when he was leaving the Ephesian Christians on his way to Rome is that he prayed for them this way in Acts 20, 32. And this is a powerful prayer. Here's what he said. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And so what a blessing. Some of you, you pray for your family members or friends every day. Some of you tell us that you pray for the pastors every day, that we'll stay faithful, that we'll stay humble and teachable. What a gift. But let me continue by saying this. It not only means to commit them often to God, it also means, if you're following along, to devote ourselves to their best interest. To devote ourselves to their best interest. Now, one of the things that may have happened during this blessing series is that you may equate giving the blessing to just being nice all the time. It's to only doing things that, that people like and just say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. But here's what I want you to see. If you care about the best interest of someone, that means that sometimes you have to challenge them. That means that sometimes you may have to say, look, I know this may be the easy thing to do right now, but I, I, I sense God's asking you to do the thing that'll make a difference in the long run. We used to say to our kids all the time, look, this is about character. This isn't about convenience. If you're going to build a backbone of character, then you're going to have to do some things like homework and jobs and chores and other things like that that are not pleasant at the moment. Hebrews 12 tells us that God loves us, and one of the ways we know he loves us is that he disciplines those he loves. He trains, he chastens, he disciplines those he loves. Why? Not because he's trying to hurt us, but because he knows for the long run, for our best interest, it's the only way we'll grow. And so coaches, parents, different people in our lives that have challenged us rather than telling us what we want to hear, that makes a huge difference. And that kind of active commitment to do that, even when it's unpopular, friends, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's so tempting as a parent or a grandparent just to do the thing that'll make our popularity rating stay up high with somebody. And that's why some people don't hold the line. That's why some people don't follow through because it takes work. It takes a lot of work to help someone in their best interest in the long run. But those of us that really want to be a blessing to people, when those moments come, we'll step up to those. Jesus was full of grace and truth. And he challenged as well as invited into relationship. So another thing is an active commitment means to support and share in a variety of activities with them. It means to support and share in a variety of activities with them. How many of us know that some of the best conversations that you may have with people come when you're just with them. Sometimes, as we saw in the cats in the cradle, though, those opportunities don't come because we choose something else or something else gets in the way or we're tired. <laughs> I, I remember when our kids were little um, that I'd come home sometimes from a meeting or from a long day. It's time to tuck our kids in the bed. And with our boys especially, I tried to sometimes just lay next to them and listen to them. I didn't do this every night, but I tried to do it often. And the only problem was is that they, they had bunk beds. And so I remember some nights I'd get there and go, I don't think I'm going to do that tonight because i got to climb the ladder on the bunk bed. And I'd sense at times the Lord saying, do it anyway. Do it anyway. I climbed the hill and died on the cross, you can do that. And sometimes that's what it looks like. 
Other times it means doing errands with them. It was fun for me just sometimes to just you know, say, hey, let's go, want to go to the store with me? And we'd be side by side. I still remember some of the things our kids said in the car. Uh, maybe it's being uh, side by side with a friend or a spouse or a someone that you're, you know, work with. Whatever I'm just saying is, is sometimes you can't do that unless you're with them. Hobbies, meals, errands, all kinds of ways. Here's the problem. Some of us actually think that times like that may not be that important or that valuable. Listen to one story. I remember reading this years ago. In The Effective Father, Gordon MacDonald wrote, it is said of Boswell, the famous biographer of Samuel Johnson, that he often referred to a special day in his childhood when his father took him fishing. The day was fixed in Boswell's mind, and he often reflected upon many things his father had taught him in the course of their fishing experience together. After having heard of that particular excursion so often, it occurred to someone much later to check the journal that Boswell's father kept and determine what had been said about the fishing trip from the parental perspective. Turning to that date, the reader found only one sentence entered. Gone fishing today with my son. A day wasted. A day wasted. It wasn't wasted to his son. And some things happened in that interchange that can only happen when you're together. They can only happen when you're with each other. And sometimes, again, we just get going so fast. Friends, I just want to tell you, you know this already, but we only have our loved ones for a season. If we wait till tomorrow, too often, tomorrow will be too late. We need to seize the day. We need to actively commit ourselves, even when it's not convenient and we don't feel like it sometimes. And this is an opportunity that's waiting for us. And so God's pointing those out. And sometimes it just boils down to doing some of the little things that leads to this last thing, an active commitment to be a student of them who listens with genuine interest. An active commitment to be a student of them who listens with genuine interest. In the book, The Blessing, John Trent, one of the other authors of the book, tells how when he got into his 40s or 50s, he went to see his mom at her condo in Arizona. In this little condo, there was a nondescript bookshelf that was kind of fascinating that at first you would have thought, what's going on here? Because on the three shelves were books that you wouldn't normally expect from a woman like her. But on the bookshelf, on the top bookshelf was medical books. The next bookshelf was psychiatry books. And the third book was on over-the-truck driving books. You want to know what they all stood for? One son, another son, another son. She even took college classes that she didn't always pass, but she wanted to learn what her sons were interested in. She wanted to know their hobbies. She wanted to learn that. I found that at times that it's easier for me to try and get someone to be interested in what I'm interested in, to be interested in what they're interested in. This is one of the challenges of any relationship, and sometimes I've fumbled the ball in this. Maybe you have too. But if you want to grow in this, there's a book that's being written that you and I can never stop reading, and it's called Be a Student of Me. And if we do that with our loved ones, we can keep learning new things. But a lot of it has to do with listening. So some of you say, okay, I've heard that. I need to get better at listening. I know all that. Can I give you an idea of how to get better at listening? It comes from Proverbs 15:30. This is kind of something we can all try this week. Let's read uh, these five words from Proverbs 15:30. Uh, is it five words? Yes, five words. Here we go. 
Bright eyes gladden the heart. Do you know what that means? That means that instead of having dull eyes, you're just going, yeah, I'm used to living with you every day. Go ahead and talk. I'll listen. It means with bright eyes. You know, like if when someone walked in the room, your eyes lit up. How important would that mean? How much would that help them when they talk to us? And so just if you were to try that with one person this week, I'm not talking about being fake and going, ah, okay, but I'm just saying, hey, I'm listening. My eyes are lit up for you. Go ahead, talk. I want to learn. Huge, huge. And friends, that's the truth. Some of us were saying, Jeff, I came in here, man. I'm already overwhelmed. I'm already conscious of some of the things I'm not doing. How do I do this? Friends, most of the time, life is about doing lots of small things. Jesus said, even a cup of cold water in my name is powerful. That when you and I listen well, we look at someone's eyes, someone's eyes, that can all make a huge difference. How do, how do we bring this home? Talk about practicing the blessing. Can I just tell you some things that have come to my mind this week and thought about that have been helpful? First, if you want to practice this after you walk to your car and drive home today, here's the first thing I'd recommend. Remember God's gracious commitment to us if you're following along. Remember God's gracious commitment to us. What I mean by this is worship God every day for his active commitment to you. I'm not saying don't yield your life to him. I'm not saying don't be actively committed to him. That's a great response of worship. That's actually what worship means. But when you worship, when you remember, then it gives you the security. It gives you the reminder that this is what he wants you to pass on. And as you begin to live in the security of that, it is something else. Friends, this has changed people's lives for decades, for centuries, for millennia. Every time people remember that God, rather than leaving us messed up and unblessed, decided after he created us to be blessed and we had sinned, he sent his one and only son to leave the glories of heaven. I mean, Jesus laid aside his glory for a time and stepped down into our sorry planet in order to redeem us. And he did that, and it was work. It cost him. But he said, I'll do it. And as he did that, he became a servant. And as he ministered to people, he didn't do the bare minimum. He didn't do autopilot. He didn't do cruise control. He would go to people and he would look at them with bright eyes. And he would give himself to every person he encountered. And as he gave himself, people knew they were being blessed by the Son of God. And as he did that, then the Bible says, how did he show his active commitment most powerfully? Like this. He gave all in order that you and I could be brought back into a relationship with God and be forgiven. And then he didn't stop there. He said, not only am I going to do that, but I'm going to rise again. I'm going to ascend into heaven. The Bible tells us right now, you want to know what Jesus is doing, even though you and I can't see him? The Bible says that right now he is praying for us. He ever lives to intercede for us. He is committed to helping us live the Christian life, friends. But not only that, he sent his Holy Spirit who reminds us of what we forget, who helps us when we don't know how to pray, who prompts us to bless people instead of just be self-centered. He is actively committed to us. And as we worship him for that, it's powerful. And here's another idea. <clears throat> Praise someone 
for their example. Practicing the blessing might look like this. Praise someone for their example. Out to the right, I list Proverbs 31. <clears throat> and in Proverbs 31, it basically says <clears throat> that there are women whose children will rise up and call them blessed, whose husband also will praise her. Why? Because she does not eat the bread of idleness. She is actively committed to her home. But you don't have to be married. You don't have to be a mom. You and I can see examples of people who are giving themselves, who are actively committed in small and big ways all around us. The question is, are we blessing them by noticing and by praising them? This week, I just tried to send several texts or say some words to people. I thought, I see an active commitment in your life, and it is a blessing. Thank you so much. I thought about a man who mentored me. He was uh, my parents' age, and when I was his pastor, uh, he and his wife just treated Trish and I like, like they were our second parents. And then she died of a blood clot suddenly after foot surgery that was unexpected. As he and I walked through that grief, one of the things he told me one day I've never forgotten. He said, Jeff, just a couple weeks before Margaret died, one night we were laying in bed, and I just got this idea that I needed to thank her for some things I'd never thanked her for in over 40 years of marriage. He said, most people don't know this about me, but I have smelly feet. And the reason why they don't know I have smelly feet is because my wife washes my socks extra compared to most people. And that night as we lay in bed, I said, Margaret, thank you for loving me with my smelly feet. Thank you for washing my socks again and again, without ever complaining, without ever expecting praise. Thank you. And then he began to tell her two or three other things, and he looked over in the moonlight, and he saw, without her saying a word, just tears running down her face. And he is so glad he blessed his wife that way when he had an opportunity. And you and I, we need to bless other people by saying, way to go, way to go. And you and I can do that this week. Is there somebody that you haven't thanked for a while or praised for their, what they're doing? The last idea is this, to ask God with whom and how do I need to follow through this week? Is there someone I've been promising? Is there somebody I've been saying something like the guy in Cats in the Cradle? Is there someone that maybe I've never even thought about, but you've been prompting me and pointing them out to me lately that I could reach out to them and bless them in just a little way, give them a cup of cold water in some way? What is he saying to you? We're going to worship God in just a moment for his active commitment to us, but before we do that, here's another way we can worship. That's to listen to him and give space for him to talk to us and put his finger on something in our life that he wants to help us practice so we can be a blessing. Bow your heads if you would and just ask him, what does he want to say to you right now? <laughs>